0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast, a podcast dedicated towards helping you stay healthy so you can stay on the golf course and not in the clubhouse. We will be covering all things golf, from fitness, performance, injury recovery, instruction, and everything else in between. I am your host, Dr. Russ Manalastis. I am a board-certified sports physical therapist and strength coach based out of Rochester, New York. Our goal with this podcast is to help you play your best golf yet while doing so without limitations. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Russ. Our guest today really doesn't need much introduction if you're familiar with the golf performance space, but we want to introduce to the show Lance Gill, who is one of Golf Digest's top 50 best golf fitness trainers, owner of Lance Gill for Performance, and lead instructor for TPI, or the Titleist Performance Institute. Lance, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for carving out a little bit of time.
1: Hey, Dr. Russ, no problem. Hope you're doing well, and thank you for getting the word out. We really appreciate all that you do.
0: Absolutely, man. So I, I'm really excited about this conversation because um, I think a lot of people know what you do in the golf performance space. But maybe, you know, shine a little bit of light about maybe your background story in terms of your education and where you went to school and maybe your early journey in terms of jobs and, and work environment before you ultimately landed with the Titleist Performance Institute.
1: Oh, that's a great question. So my family's a big medical family from surgeons to physical therapists. Both of my parents were both PTs and you know our dinner conversations were pretty interesting talking about muscle insertions and origins and injuries so i grew up in sports medicine and naturally i migrated it to to it in college so i went to university of shenandoah in winchester virginia for undergrad i kind of migrated more into athletic training and then graduate school at university of pittsburgh now while on that road i played division 3 soccer golf and lacrosse so I was playing a lot of uh, sports but golf has been pretty much the the underlying primary sport that I've ever played so it was funny at University of Pittsburgh our lab was partially funded by Greg Norman and you uh, know it was pretty cool yeah, that is awesome. so Greg was big he was still is big on understanding why things happen in the world of golf why did he break down sometimes from an injury perspective or consistency on the course when it really mattered. He really wants to know a lot about it. And so we, we built a lab around that premise, understanding movement and why things happen the way they do. And his physical therapist, Pete Dravich, one of my mentors, kind of nurtured me through that two years at Pittsburgh. And one day he came to me, it was probably April 2000, and he said, hey, Lance, you're graduating in two months. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, he said, you're graduating. So what are you going to do? And I'm like, what? I didn't even think about it. I had no earthly clue what I wanted to do, <laughs> but I knew I didn't want to sit on the sidelines of a JV basketball game for the rest of my life. Not sure. that it's bad. It just wasn't for me. He goes, well, what, what do you want? I was like, well, I wouldn't mind working in the golf field. Now take yourself back to the year 2000. I don't know what you were doing, but there wasn't a lot of people doing golf specific performance training. Not. Tiger was sure. right. Gary player had talked about it, but it wasn't mainstream. So Dr. Drevich said to me, he goes, you know, there's this wacky doctor in Washington DC. He's opening up a golf gym. Maybe you should go and check him out. And I was like, hell yeah. So I got in my car, drove six hours overnight to DC, showed up at this guy's front step at about six in the morning. It's Dr. Greg Rose. Oh, yeah. And he answers the door with a saw a chainsaw and this on. And he's like, who are you? And I told him a little bit of my story at had an elevator pitch ready to go. And he goes, "Holy crap!" He goes, "You're very qualified." I was like, "Yeah, I, I'm, I'm ready for this." He goes, "Well, you're hired." I said, "Wow, this getting a job stuff is real easy." <laughs> so the only problem was they weren't open for two or three months. So he goes, "I can't pay you for a while." I was like, "Dude, I don't care. As long as my dad knows I have a job." I'm <laughs> and we opened up the first ever golf specific gym ever. So it, it that's where the whole process started right oh there gosh. in Washington D.C.
0: That's a great background story. And, and yep. I think, you know, when you look at TPI and obviously what it's become, you know, from that time, I mean, you know, it's influenced our approach to the, the, the sport of golf and how we manage and understanding the why, right? And I think that background story of, you know, I think the motivation behind wanting to get into a specific niche or getting into a specific, certain, something that obviously resonates with you. I think that's super crucial for someone who's in, let's say, the healthcare field or in performance or strength and conditioning. A lot of the guys, they just have a tendency to kind of just, you know, go through the motions and and they're not really passionate about what they really do. And uh, obviously you went the opposite route. You wanted to, Hey, let's, let's kind of grab the bull by the horns and figure out, this is what I want to do. How do I make that happen? And one thing led to another and here you are with CPI.
1: Yeah. And, and that's an underlying theme that uh, I always teach with is, Listen, you got to do something you're passionate about because if you don't, you only have a certain shelf life before it seeps through to your actions and your your personality. So yeah. do what you want.
0: Absolutely. So tell us about maybe the 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 collegiate golf experience, right? Again, I've, I've had conversations with some of our college players that play golf, and obviously, playing golf now compared to maybe maybe playing back in the day is a little bit different. There, maybe kind of shed some light on your experience with you know playing collegiate golf and what you thought your experience was like.
1: You know, I. I grew up in upstate New York and we've talked about this. And so my goal was to get the hell out of the cold weather. All right. Cause you know, our season's like probably three to four months long. Yeah. And I, I always told my dad and mom, listen, I, I want to go to Ithaca cause to me that was South. It was about four hours <laughs> South. of me. Right. And, and the temperature difference between upstate New York on the Canadian border and Ithaca is massive. It's like, massive. it's like a tropics. But Ithaca ended up being a little too expensive, um, so I I go dead. Here's the deal: this college in uh, Virginia is looking at me and a couple of my friends for soccer. He goes Virginia. And I was like, yeah. He goes, that's when my mom was upset because it's so far away. But I was like, you know, I'd really like to go to the deep south. Little did I know, <laughs> right. it's still not the deep it's south. Not so. at all. <laughs> I barely made it across the Mason Dixon um, So I ended up going to Virginia. And the golf team wasn't very good. We were probably one of the worst five teams in the nation um, for division three, but cause we, we really just started a team up. Our soccer team was pretty good. So um, I was pulling guys off the soccer team, the baseball team, you know, to play golf. And we literally set the NCAA record for the highest two day tournament score of all time. (laughs) Um, and I finished sixth in the tournament, so you got to remember that. You got to keep that in <laughs> <That's> perspective. <right. laughs> so, my golf experience in college was honestly pretty bad, and and let me tell you why. I got to a place in high school where I was a uh, zero handicap, and I'm like, "Well, I'm going to go to college and get even better." And I go to college, and we're playing D1, D2, D3 schools in in the South, and I'm just getting annihilated, like destroyed. Yeah. And I'm like, "What is going on?" And under that sort of pressure my game didn't hold up. So there was a little something that was going on that I didn't know. And my coach at the time had no idea. And it really turned me off to the game of golf to the point I I probably quit for a year and a half uh, late, late my senior year. I just, I, I had enough because I couldn't find the answer. Huh,
0: that's interesting. And you know, honestly, yeah. I've heard a couple of stories of that route where they're so well into it and then something goes awry and then you almost give it up for a while just because you can't figure it out. Right. And maybe that you can kind of speak on that a little bit more too.
1: So it was back in 1997, my senior season, and this is, this story has never been told before, but I got to the point where I, I mean, I was shooting high seventies, low eighties, and that was regression from where I was as a senior in high school. And now I'm a senior in college. I'm like, this is frustrating. And I was asking the questions, but I couldn't get the the answers as to why I was having such consistency issues and putting issues just no answers and I I got to the point where I'm like I'm done. So I said coach I'm not playing anymore and this is what happens. I'm in anatomy lab one day because it's a Friday we're getting ready for a big test um, and there's about 150 people in this amphitheater at school and I'm in the back row taking notes and all of a sudden I see two guys walking in the room and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's Jim and Scott, two guys on my golf team. Why are they in here? Because they are not medical at all. <laughs> Those bastards walked up, and the, and the instructor's like, can I help you? And they're like, we'll just be a minute. They walked up to my seat, say, hey, Lance, what are you doing? I was like, I'm in anatomy. What are you doing? Everybody's watching me. They're like, sorry to do this. They duct tape me. They grabbed me, duct tape me, <laughs> my whole body like a cocoon, picked me up, carried me out of anatomy lab, put me in a van and we drove to Georgia for a golf tournament. They no had way. everything ready. Yeah. I got kidnapped. <laughs> I got kidnapped. Wow. So, this is 1997. I'm like, this is horrible. This is horrible. Why am I doing this? And, and from there, I had to have some soul searching as to what was going on with my golf swing that really made me so frustrated. And at the end of the day, it was, I think my body and my golf swing weren't in sync and this led me to doing a little bit more research, finding University of Pittsburgh, um, finding the laboratory sponsored by Greg Norman, which was maybe I can get an answer for myself. So why did I go to school at Pitt for grad? Probably to get an answer for myself. And I mm-hmm. think the answer ended up being a lot bigger than I thought it was.
0: Absolutely. No question. It's obviously mm-hmm. led you down this path that you haven't, you haven't looked back since, it seems like, right? No,
1: so no I haven't.
0: So let's do this. Let's fast forward to, let's say, your your Tyler's your Performance Institute days. Now, maybe kind of give us maybe just like a, some background stories as to what a day looks like for you right now. Obviously, we're recording this podcast during a pandemic, right? So it's a little different now. I'm sure you're doing a lot more virtual stuff, but... You know, when you're in the thick of it, maybe kind of take us through a day, what your day might look like, whether you're working with Lanskill Performance or whether you're working at TPI, you know, or maybe it's a combination of both, it almost sounds like, right? So maybe kind of take us through a day with you as to how that looks.
1: Well, it's a great question. So on a traditional day, what, what I do is I work at the institute, the TPI. TPI is owned by Titleist. as' a ball manufacturer, club manufacturer, you know, shoes, wedges. We, when we've been hosting experiences for the last 20 years there where we bring in players to either go through club fitting, it's a three-hour process, or a body fitting, if you will. So we analyze your body, your, your positives, your negatives, your physical limitations, and then we compare that to your golf swing you know, using video technology, 3D technology, force and pressure technology, launch monitors. So we can understand what your body is doing, what your golf swing is doing, and are they fighting or are they happily united together? Mm -hmm. Traditionally, they're fighting somewhat. That's where our magic comes in. If you're trying to do something, and it all centers around you as the client, if you're trying to do something, say, I'd like to hit the ball 10 yards farther without so much curvature to the right. My ball curves too far to the right and thereby it loses yardage we base all of our programming on what your goals are. And then we look at your body, we look at your swing, we look at your launch, we look at your clubs, and we try to determine where are the big leaks, where are the big holes that are preventing you from achieving that? And then we plug those leaks up, be it with fitness programming, um, medical programming, biomechanical, uh, swing technique, or equipment, or traditionally it's usually a combination of all three. But the magical part is understanding how one affects the other category because if you just work in one silo what you're going to do is you're if you change the equipment significantly to suit a need you're going to place an undue stress on the body and something else happens so you have to work at it as a holistic um, approach so you can get the best results for your client
0: yeah i mean i think that integrated model like you're talking about obviously with you you know you, Jason, and Mark, you know, teaching a lot of the courses around, across the country. That integrated model is so important. And I, like you said, if you're siloed in one area, right, and we see this a lot in healthcare now where let's say someone is a, a golf athlete and maybe is dealing with an injury or is dealing with maybe some swing faults that they don't know how to address it. They go to a, let's say a, a generalist that might not necessarily know the sport of golf or the demand of the sport of golf. Right. And yep. we see that a lot in our community where a lot of golfers come to us and they're like, hey, you know, I've got this going on. Well, let's let's look at what's going on physically to see is that the is that the low hanging fruit? Right. And if that's a low hanging fruit, we can help you with that. But also we can put you in contact with other people that can help you with the club fitting and all the other instruction part of it. So that again, it's that integrated model that I think is lacking sorely in today's healthcare with regards to sports specific, but also in particular, mainly golf.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you. I'm seeing some of the best practitioners in the world of medicine actually migrate out of the normal realm of either outpatient or inpatient care. In in the physical therapy world, we'll say, they learn a basis of golf. They learn how to talk golf. They learn the vernacular of golf. And then they apply their amazing skill sets in that. And I've seen them so successful that they naturally migrate almost out of the traditional PT realm, yeah. almost into solely concierge golf, physical therapy, and performance training. It, it's, it's radical. And, and I think the physical therapy market is primed for this because you, you, you guys and ladies have such an amazing skill set of assessment and then practical approach to rehabilitating injury or rehabilitating um, a, a deficiency in movement. and that itself goes so far in the world of golf that you can't believe now the only hurdle that therapists traditionally face is they don't know how to speak the language of the golfer you can be the smartest doctor in the world if you can't talk golf i'm telling you you've lost the client but the good therapists are really learning how to talk golf and it's really translating into good business model number one for the therapist and the golfers are getting phenomenally better phenomenally better
0: yeah I mean, I think you, you you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, a perfect example is we had a client come to us after they went to a healthcare provider and the first healthcare provider says like he didn't understand golf at all. He didn't know what we were talking about. So he found me just via the internet. He's like, Hey, listen, I saw that you're TPI certified. Obviously you understand the sport of golf. You know, we have a satellite office at our private country club. He's like, you do a lot with golf. He's like, so people will just naturally gravitate that way because they want providers that understand what they're dealing with instead of just, you know, let's see, throw something on the wall and see what sticks, you know?
1: You know what? It's, it's amazing. So one of the first meetings we ever had when we opened up TPI, this is back in 2003-04, um, Dr. Greg Rose is a chiropractor. Now, traditionally, chiropractors and PTs haven't seen eye-to-eye on a lot of things. And Dr. Rose came to me and said, Lance, you're an athletic trainer. I'm a Cairo. He goes, I want to really make this and we're at the outset of the, um, the educational series, the level ones, twos, and threes. He goes, I really want to make this welcoming to everybody of all genres of medical background. So I'm going to have a meeting with this physical therapist. And I want you to come because I don't want it to be confrontational. Not that I'm going to fight him or anything. <laughs> right. he, uh, he goes, I just want to have a barrier. And you as an athletic trainer can see both worlds. I was like, perfect. So the meeting was actually with Dr. Mike Boyd. Now, Dr. Boyd's one of the leading physical therapists on the planet. He was knighted by the Queen of England. What? I mean, (laughs) what is that crap? So so we go to this meeting. This was in Phoenix at a restaurant, um, pizza restaurant. It was really nice. And it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal because I found myself not listening to Mike. I was actually educating Mike on the world of golf because he was a PT, high-level education. But he wasn't really savvy with golf you know fast forward 4 or 5 years he's he's the medical director for P, uh, TPI with along with Dr. Rose and Greg Cook and some other doctors and he is now running the Nashville Hip Institute therapy department which is probably the leading provider for hip procedures for golf, hockey, baseball. He has branched out so much with his knowledge and education on the world of golf that people now seek him out from everywhere on the planet. Um, solely because they trust that he knows about golf. Right. Before, that would have been a barrier, but um, through education, no longer a barrier in the world's leading purveyor of that, of that entity.
0: Yeah, and I think when you look at healthcare, and again, we won't you know, harp on this too much, but the model of healthcare of you know, seeing multiple clients or athletes per hour and things like that, like a new traditional insurance-based model, It's just not conducive to helping people maybe the way you want, right? So again, obviously our model is more one-on-one. It's um, more strength performance-based with some rehab principles in there. And I think ultimately people see the difference. And when they see the difference, and obviously because we speak the language and understand the sport of golf, that goes a long way. And again, like you talked about, having people value and understand what they're looking for and what they need.
1: I always felt like that was the biggest biggest disappointment in physical therapy and chiropractor is that – you fine fine practitioners put people together and give them life back basically so if you can't walk you're gonna die eventually if you can't move you're gonna degrade so physical therapists uh, medical practitioners physios they really restore life now it's a it's a pretty sanct it's it's saintly if you will but the problem is our clients don't remember us yep. in the grand scheme of things. They, they they don't remember us two to three years down the road. Who was that therapist that rehabbed my hip and did so well? Well, that's the problem because we were seeing our clients 15, 20 minutes and it's in and out, in and out, in and out. There was no bond, no relationship. I do see the trend turning to yep. more of that little bit more one-on-one focus. And I'm glad you're doing that because at the end of the day, that's what golfers really want. They want the bond. They, they don't, they're not buying your doctorate degree. They're buying you as a person. And that relationship goes everywhere.
0: Absolutely. Well, listen, we would be remiss not to ask you about training on a golf performance podcast. So um, maybe kind of shed some light on maybe show, talk about some of the common things that you address, either from an assessment or a training standpoint for either, let's say, a player on tour, or maybe even just a recreational golfer?
1: Okay. So the first thing I'd want all your listeners to understand is that you need to be assessed. And you said the word right in your question. The assessment process is probably the number one overlooked piece in any golf performance. So I see too many people that want to do X, Y, or Z with their golf game. Hey, I don't want my back to hurt. All right. So the first thing that they're going to ask for is, what am I doing wrong in my swing? But we take a step back. And thanks to the physical therapy world, because they taught us this, before we even do anything, let's find out what you can or cannot do. So that integral part of the physical assessment is everything. And let me tell you, I physically assess my athletes every single time I see them. Every time I see them.
0: No brainer. People are like,
1: wow, does that take forever? Now, it doesn't, even make, it doesn't even make you flinch hearing that. But everybody else in the world is like, well, I was doing it on a quarterly basis. I'm like, okay, I'm glad you were. But the problem is, athletes change from day to day as we know. And doing a pelvic tilt test or a shoulder flexion test takes about three seconds. Come on. Yeah. So we assess our athletes every single day so that we know why we're training and what to train most efficiently. That's the key. I don't care what exercise philosophy you go with, I don't care what kind of mob- mobility drills you're doing or modalities, I don't care make sure you know why you're doing them first so that you get to the better tool faster. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. And I think that whole idea of assess, reassess every time a person comes in is crucial, right? Because like you said, there are so many other factors outside the physical limitations that people are dealing with nowadays, sleep, stress, all these other things, nutrition that obviously can tell a story. And if someone isn't feeling great that day and also they're, they're showing it physically, You need to be able to assess that. And if you're not assessing that, you're missing the boat with regards to your programming and all the bells and whistles that you want to implement. It makes no sense to implement them if you don't know the why behind it.
1: Correct. And it also gives us an objective measuring tool where whereas too many of us in the fitness or golf world use subjective only. Well, I feel like I'm hitting it better. I feel, 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 feel. Great, great, great. The problem with that, it doesn't build a long-term bond with the client or the patient in my perspective, because your good feel today could be the same good feel you have with somebody else at another tournament down the road. Mm-hmm. And now your brain's like, well, I feel good with this guy. And it's always a constant, well, who's going to give me the next fix? Yeah. Whereas if you can add objective measures to a good feel, well, I feel good and my ball is carrying 296 yards. Whereas I go down the road, I feel good, but my ball is carrying 279. Oh, that objective measurement tells yeah. me a lot. Absolutely. And I always try to implant that and educate my clients with that, so that they can they can attach a reality to a feel, because feel and real, as we know, aren't always the same.
0: Absolutely, 100% agree. All right, so let's do this. Let's transition to our segment it's called "What's in the Bag," right? Although we have a strong idea as to what clubs you might be using, golf enthusiasts always love to hear kind of some of the details and specs of people and what they're swinging nowadays. So, why don't you maybe tell us a little bit about what you got in your bag and what you're swinging nowadays?
1: Well. I, I used to be an MB guy. I was hitting MBs all the time. Muscle back, Titleist, 680s. Loved them. And one of my buddies, who's a plus four in New Jersey, Jim Beadle, he's like, dude, why are you hitting those? You're not good enough. I was like, shut your mouth. <laughs> so he kept he kept just digging me. Every seminar we go to and I'm like, dude, fine. So I sent my MBs to him. And here's the reason why. And by the way, Adam Scott gave me those clubs. So it was really hard to get rid of them. <laughs> sure. He comes in. The week before he wins the Masters, this is no joke, it was after a tournament, I think in South Carolina or something, and he comes in, and he just won that tournament, and And he's like, hey, he goes, is anybody here from the clubs? I was like, no, it's early in the morning. He goes, listen, I got to get these clubs, and they were chrome MBs, beautiful clubs. He goes, I want to get these satin finished. I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, they, they said they're going to get them satin, so they take off the shininess and just make them a little duller. I was like, okay, I'll take them. And then one of the head club fitters walks in and he goes, Adam, what's up? He goes, Yeah, hey, I just want you guys to brush these. Cause at that time they used to just take a brush, yeah. a steel brush, and make them dull. And and he goes, I just want these uh, satins. And, I, and Larry goes, Dude, why? He goes, We can just get you a new club. We're making them in satin. He goes, Oh, we don't, you don't have to grind them. He goes, No, nah, we'll just make you a whole new set. He goes, Fine. And I have all of Adam Scott's clubs they just want to turn with. And he goes, he goes take them do whatever you want i was like That's you just amazing. won with it he goes he goes doesn't matter to me i was like so i've been using Adam <laughs> clubs for five or six years and jim goes I'll, I'll take them so i gave jim the clubs and then i went and got fit and now i'm hitting uh cbs because one of my players old players julia molinaro um on the lpj tour was hitting these uh cbs and every once in a while on the range I, I hit balls with her, jeez like, i love these things they're so easy to hit and, like you can't even make the ball go off fine she's just looking at me crazy and you know tour pros and the center of their face is all worn out and yeah. so she's like yeah i'm getting a new set i was like i'll take those she goes "Do you want them i was like yeah so i hit her cbs for two or three years until i got the new newer models and then i'm in i'm in the third version of the cb so it's kind of a half half blade half cavity yeah. back beautiful beautiful set now woods definitely been upgraded to the uh ts2 love it and they went to a 45 inch chef absolutely love that driver it's phenomenal yeah
0: we just we just got a ts2 as well it's phenomenal yeah
1: it's awesome yeah now my my biggest problem with my bag is my wedges and it and this is weird because i have a really good relationship with bob boke he's at the facility all the time we're teaching (laughs) together right next to each other and i'm hitting sm6s and he always walks in he's like why are you still hitting the sixes i was like i just don't know anybody in the wedge business (laughs) (laughs) He's offered to give me like SMA custom grinds. I'm like, nah, no, I'm fine. So I'll, I'll be upgrading those. Soon.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. That's awesome. How about putter? What do you got for putter?
1: Man, I, I'm using a phantom right now, Scotty Cameron. I, yep. I'm the world's worst putter. It's it's one, Greg Norman asked me this. He goes, what do you want to do? And I'm at Pitt. And I'm like, I want to be a pro golfer like you. He's like, great. because "You got a great swing. I'm like, thank you, sir. He goes, how's your putting? I was like, I was ranked almost dead last in college for, you know, putts per round. He's like, ooh. <laughs> this to be good. So, so I'm not very good putter. That's my Achilles heel, if you will. But I love the I love that Phantom putter. It's it's gorgeous, gorgeous.
0: phenomenal putter. Yeah. All right, so, so let's do this. Look good, 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 good.
1: No, I was going to say it, it, the Phantom really was a byproduct. I think of the Spider. I think they kind of ripped it off. Not ripped it off, but gave a competing model to the Spider. And I got in trouble at Tails because um, I was using a tailor-made one of those spider putters loved it little square back putter and they're like what are you doing and i'm like i just i put better i put like two strokes better
0: performance is one thing right they're just like
1: you can't do that i'm like (laughs) (laughs) sorry to interrupt
0: (laughs) no that's all right that's all right no that's listen you know again you can't you can't you can't bite the hand that feeds you right i guess that's the best way to put it Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right so let's do this let's go to our shotgun round so we're going to ask you just a, a bunch of questions you're going to give us a, a quick answer just to kind of go through this like lightning round right so okay this might be hard for you favorite golfer
1: uh my greg norman and i'm a big tiger woods fan
0: i mean why not right i mean the, the exactly his turnaround is just it's an incredible story it really is
1: yeah, he, he pisses me off a lot, but I've, I've grown to respect him. And, it, and it's one golfer I've never been able to work with, so I maybe someday we'll get that opportunity.
0: There you go. Maybe maybe, maybe sooner than you think, right? We'll see. All right, favorite golf brand, although I might not have an inkling as to what this might be.
1: Golf brand?
0: Golf brand.
1: Oh, uh, I got to put titles. I've been a <laughs> titles guy since I was running <laughs> pro shops in 84.
0: <laughs> How about a preferred drink or snack while you're playing?
1: Uh, I'm starting to migrate into trail mix. I, I really love trail mix, and you know, a little water is good. But if I'm on the course and I'm having a good time, I'm gonna go with a little bat blue light.
0: There you go. There's some Western yeah. New York come out there, right?
1: Yep, there it is. <laughs> All
0: right, part three or part five?
1: God, I love part five. Part threes are pains in the ass i like them they're pretty but man they're hard
0: they're hard to the yeah, i'm, a, I'm a more of a grip and rip guy there you know mm-hmm. yeah i'll take my chances with the driver and see what happens on my, <laughs> my second shot yep. what about cart and walk uh
1: i play five or six strokes better when i walk so i'm a huge fan of walking i just wish the industry would go to it more especially with the caddy I,
0: that's that's a phenomenal idea mm-hmm. wonder what that might take to, in order for that to become more of the mainstream than anything else but just follow
1: the money. It's it's quite easy, but it can be done very yeah. easy.
0: Right. Hey, that's a, that's a good thought. All right, Caddyshack or Happy Gilmore?
1: I'm a Happy Gilmore guy. Caddyshack frustrates me.
0: <laughs> yeah, listen, Chubbs is, Chubbs is one of my favorite characters in that movie, man. Yes, yes. All right, how about – I know you got a lot of them. How about favorite golf memory for you?
1: Oh, favorite golf memory. There's so many of them. Um, I had a hole-in-one when I was 12 years old in the tournament. It was my only hole-in-one. 155 yards, and I wasn't playing so well. I got a bogey on the first hole. I got a 10 on the second hole because I jacked two out of bounds. Step up, I was pissed. And I was 12, so I hit a three-iron from about 150 yards, and I just basically hosled it. So it was this low spinning fader. It was a slice. Hit one time, hits the pin, goes in. Woo, 5'10", one. So that's probably one of my favorite memories in golf so far.
0: Wow, 12 years old. Yeah,
1: yeah, so long ago. But – Another good memory is we did, we got to work a lot with Padraig Harrington in his, in his prime. And me and Padraig went out and played one day here in San Diego at the, uh, the Grand. And um, he's like, let's play straight up. I'm like, straight up? No, I said that. I said, let's play straight up. He goes, no, I'll give you four shots a side. So we played and I ended up destroying him. I shot a 71, he shot a 70 or 71. We, we were basically dead even, but with strokes I beat him.
0: That's, that's a great story. Yeah, it must have been on, man.
1: Yeah, it was. I still got the scorecard, so it's there perfect. you go.
0: That's perfect. Last question in the shotgun round. Maybe I know you know a lot of people in the golf realm. Maybe give us a recommendation of someone you'd think we should reach out to to be a guest on the show.
1: Well, from a performance perspective, I would go. I would go to Dr. Mike Boyd. I would ask him. He is one of the best storytellers on the planet, and his diverse background. Can, can absolutely drive home points. This guy can pull from NBA, pro football, hockey, anywhere on the planet. He can relate it back to why we're doing what we're doing in golf. In his medical background, is by far the, the highest I've ever seen. He's my mentor, and I think he would do awesome on your
0: podcast. That's awesome. Yeah, again, Mike, uh, listen, he's a guy I followed very, like, even when I was in my exercise science degree, he, his name came up all the time, so uh, that would be awesome. I, I'll probably have that, I have an opportunity to reach out to him and see what we can I'll do. I'll
1: set it up for you.
0: I appreciate that. All mm-hmm. right, so let's do this. Words of wisdom, you know, maybe for someone who is in the fitness space or performance space, or even let's say medical and maybe wants to get into the the golf niche. I mean, what would, what would your recommendation be? Uh, Where where would you start with that?
1: Well, I, I think the easiest way to start is at the foundation, like which you're so good at what, what we're so good at is understanding what the golfer can or cannot do, which is the movement screen. So if you don't have any background, I'd say a TPI level one is pretty, pretty good start point. Now, you can say I'm slightly biased, but I really believe in that that model of understanding what your golfer can do. Become an excellent physical screener. Everybody has exercises. Everybody's going to be an expert in some sort of degree of fitness or medicine. Let's get to the reason why we're doing our exercises better. And that starts with the physical screen. So that'd be my first words of wisdom. The second would be, don't be afraid to learn outside your box. I found myself two years ago at a world convention for hip surgeons. The, um, it's called ISHA, International Society of Hip Arthroscopy. Holy cow, I was out of my realm. I mean, there's 500 of the world's best hip surgeons at this conference. And I was presenting. I'm like, what am I doing here? And it's in Melbourne, Australia. But I had, I had put myself outside my comfort zone so I could talk to another group educate them on what I have to understand about the game of golf and listen to what they have about general world. And it was amazing, the collaboration that came on. So I would encourage people to go outside their field and learn about golf, especially as well as medicine. So you can know why you're doing what you're doing.
0: Absolutely. I think, you know, in the health and fitness medical worlds, I mean, there's almost like a lot of turf wars when you look at it, right? People are just, you know, there's a lot of bias and a lot of maybe a little bit of ego too with regards to this stuff. And ultimately we're trying to serve a client that needs help. And if they need help either from ourselves or someone else, whatever works best to help them get better, I think is the key part. And I think if we miss that, um, then we're missing the opportunity to serve a better serve a client in a better realm. You know,
1: you know, you just brought up a good point. And and, and to summarize what you said, what here's how I hear it. Find out what your client wants. Why are they there to see you? Um, even if you're a therapist, you may assume that they're there to stay out of pain, but that might not be the real reason. If you can get to the root cause of what the client needs, and then everything you do, you structure it around that need, you're invaluable to them. And that's how you get things done, and that's how change is made. So find out what they need.
0: And again, going back to like, you know, where to start. And again, I think the framework that the TPI level one certification provides for someone who maybe isn't familiar with golf. I mean, it's crucial, right? From an assessment standpoint, again, for for us who I think really value the assessment aspect of it, if you don't know what you're dealing with, you cannot provide a sound exercise program or training program to get them where they want to be, right? And understanding where their goals are is one thing. But how to get them there is another, right? And I think you, like you mentioned, the TPI Level One certification is a great framework for most people that want to get into this space to be able to understand the assessment, and then from there provide a little bit better detail in terms of your training.
1: You're 100% right. You you got to get in. You got to you got to be proficient at that. And and that goes from golf professionals to fitness to medical. I want them all learning the same thing so that we can talk the same language. And once we talk that same language of what's wrong or what's not effective, man, the, the, the world's your oyster. You can do whatever you want with an athlete and you can actually get results with them. And that's why we're here. That's why you're doing so well with your is You're getting results with your athletes and they go out and refer people. And most importantly, they remember your name.
0: You got and it. That's a big deal. That's a big deal for sure. All right. So for those who maybe want to learn more about what you're doing with CPI, or maybe even just with your own, with your own company and maybe want to reach out, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Easiest way is I'm at www.lgperformance.com. That's for landskillperformance.com. My Twitter is that my Facebook is that my Instagram is LGP Please check it out. You can direct message me, send me uh, emails, whatever you got, and I'll answer them as fast as I can. If you're interested in those seminars, go to www.mytpi.com, look up the certification tab, and it's going to have a whole slew of information. The level one is where we start. You will get online and on-site options, so check it out. If you have questions, please let me know. I'd love to work through those with you.
0: Lance, this was a great conversation, man. I really appreciate, again, the the opportunity to speak with you and also you carving out some time to kind of spend some time with us
1: anytime man anytime thanks for what you're doing up there i know you're in a hot spot of golf it's one of the meccas the unheard of meccas so keep it going and keep the keep the people in your region doing well so i'm proud of you i
0: appreciate it man so all right guys so for more information of what we discussed on today's podcast uh, be sure to check out the show notes uh thanks so much for listening to the pain-free golf performance podcast where we are dedicated to helping you play your best golf Yeah. see you next time Hey, everyone. Thanks so much again for listening to this week's episode of the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast. If you enjoy the content of this show, we would love it if you would leave an iTunes review to help us grow and expand our ability to provide you with the golf information you are seeking. If you're listening to this show and are dealing with aches, pains, or issues from golf that haven't been resolved, or you're not exactly sure where to turn, then let us know how we can help. Whether you are local or not, you can work directly with us through our Pain-Free Golf Performance Program, which is completely virtual and online. This program is customized to you and your goals of playing your best golf yet. We would assess how well you move to give us a baseline of what you can do. And then based on that assessment, come up with a training program best suited for you. We are offering a special podcast promotion, which gives you access to our program at a reduced rate. You can inquire by going to manaperformancetherapy.com forward slash painfreegolf. Again, mana is spelled M-A-N-A. So it's manaperformancetherapy.com forward slash painfreegolf. And use a promo code podcast when inquiring so we can help you feel better and play better golf. Be sure to tune into next week's episode, and we'll catch you then.